Greetings, church and friends of the church. Uh, this is the scripture lesson and the sermon from Easter Sunday, April 17th, 2022. Our uh, scripture for this episode is John chapter 20, uh, John's telling of the day of that first Easter. John writes, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples sent out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And she wept, she bent over to look in. She turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say, I am ascending to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the, to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of some of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So on that first Easter morning, the women and men who were the original Christians were fearful and anxious. They had a collective memory of their years with Jesus, years that meant so very much to them. They had memories of being attracted to the beauty, the power, the compassion of Jesus and his way of living. They had memories of being astonished by his teachings and demonstrations. They had memories of being transformed within, finding new ways of seeing the world in one another, and realizing that they had the ability to participate in changing the world for the better. They had memories of laughter, tears, shared meals, and traveling to town after town after town to help and to feed and to heal everyone. 
But then it happened. Jesus became too threatening to the powerful and the elite within the institutional religion of his day. His insistence that our understandings of God and one another could be reformed and that there was a better and more faithful way to live in this world by the rule of love and not by the rule of religious law. Well, that brought out the worst and most fearful impulses within those powerful elites. They falsely accused him. They stirred up a mob of fear. They played politics until they got what they wanted, which was the silencing of the threat of Jesus by having him executed. Those who had become the community of Jesus' friends and followers, all they could do was watch from a distance as their hopes for their own individual lives, their hopes for their community of followers, their hopes for the world being transformed by the leadership of Jesus into this kingdom of love and peace on earth that he insisted was possible. All those hopes died with him on the cross. They retreated to a safe house. They locked the doors, unsure of what to do other than lament. The good and beautiful and exciting and hopeful life that they'd known together was over. This collective memory that they shared, that life was no longer possible. The hope that they shared, the hope that they could help Jesus to transform the world into a place of justice and mercy and peace was replaced by fear and anxiety. Mary slipped out. While it was still dark, to go mourn her beloved Jesus at the tomb where he was laid. She discovered the stone rolled away and assumed that someone had stolen his body, you know, an easy assumption. After the way he was slandered and abused, she ran to tell Peter and John, and they ran back to see for themselves. As they went into the tomb and saw the linens, this mysterious hope started to awaken within them. Mary wept outside the tomb until she was greeted by a man she assumed to be the gardener. And it wasn't until he called her by name that she realized this isn't the gardener. This is Jesus. But he looked different. He sounded different. He was different. But it was him. Resurrection had happened. His life but also her hope. That evening, he went to the fearful and anxious community that was locked within the safe house. We presume he was let in by someone who, like Mary, didn't recognize him because he looked and sounded different. But after his greeting of peace, peace be with you, with which he greeted, the fearful and anxious community. And after revealing his wounds, they realized it was him. Resurrection had happened. His life, but also their hope. I can only assume that most, if not all of them, hoped that things would just pick up right where they'd left off, that they could just get back to doing the things they'd always done together, the laughing, the learning, the shared meals, the traveling together to help others in need. 
but resurrection changes us. Just as Jesus did not look or sound the same, the resurrection of their life together as the church was not to be a carbon copy of their past. Their hope was alive again. The hope that our lives of loving and accepting others rather than judging and marginalizing them, lives of participating in real and powerful and fruitful efforts to demand and pursue peace and justice from principalities and powers until all people know lives of thriving and well-being, that hope was resurrection. But in resurrection, it was not to take the same shape and form. Rather than resuming their posture of following Jesus, staying all together with him, going only where he went, doing only what he said to do, focused only on what Jesus would do for them in training and teaching and encouraging and equipping them, he calls and commissions them to a new posture, the posture of being sent out by Jesus to be at work for his purposes out in the world. Just as the Father sent me, says Jesus, so I send you. Your guide will not be me in the body, in the flesh, but your guide will be my spirit abiding with and within yours. They were ready. They didn't need to keep sitting down with him for the same lessons over and over again. Love, forgive, include, serve. No more living by fear and anxiety. Seek and pursue real peace as peacemakers. Go. Do it. I send you. And the resurrection of their hope, identity, and calling changed the shape of their Christianity. Sending them in new ways. In April of 2018, almost exactly four years ago, uh, to the day before Easter Sunday 2022, long before COVID would disrupt so much about life, including the life of this and every congregation, the community covered, operating out of the lower level of our church building was just in its infancy. And this was before our congregation commissioned a long-term vision team who have in the years since faithfully led us into and God's new vision for our future. In April of 2018, almost exactly 40 years ago, the Valley Forge congregation was very much unsure of what our future would be. Like most congregations, we had a collective memory of a thriving, large, programmatic church in decades past. But with that past as our only imagination for what we ought to be, we also had a collective anxiety in realizing that we were no longer sustaining that form of Christianity. And that we were in the challenging and painful process of that kind of Christianity slowly dying. And so in April of 2018, almost four years ago to the day, the congregation was challenged to imagine our future from a place of hopefulness and possibility rather than 
imagining only through the fearful lens of comparing ourselves to the past. We were all invited to imagine what we might become with faith, the assurance of things hoped for. In response to the prompt, my hope for what God will accomplish in and through us as we move faithfully together into the future, the members of our community responded with some beautiful visions of what might be possible. Now, some of the hopes that were named revealed the anxiety and fear that had grown in the soil of uncertainty and numerical decline. We can hear, like those first disciples, the longing for things to just magically go back to the way that they were. I hope that more people join us. I hope that new families with children come like they used to. I hope that we again have 45 youth in our youth group like we did 30 years ago. I hope for membership growth like it happened in the 70s and 60s. I don't want our church as we know it to die. But that was the minority because most of these hopes, the majority, when our people made the intentional effort to breathe deeply, to focus on God's promises of life, salvation, resurrection, and future, and to listen to the voice of possibility rather than the voice of fear, we're deeply compelling and beautiful. I hope we build more sympathy and empathy among, among all to accept others who differ from them. I hope we include all people and celebrate diversity. I hope we actively respond to the needs of neighbors. I hope we have a positive impact on our community. I hope we impact lives outside the church by feeding, clothing, and caring for the needs of others, just like the first Christians. I hope that we share the space we're blessed with so that others can benefit. I hope we build new traditions, especially those of serving others. I hope the greater community will know that we are here doing God's will, reaching out to others and not just hidden behind target. I hope that we embrace new ideas rather than only looking back on what was done and that we have the ability to give up personal ownership of an idea or a space for the good of growth, thinking beyond our own selves to those outside our walls. It was completely natural and understandable that so many of us, like those first disciples, imagined our resurrection to be a restoration of life exactly as it was before. But resurrection changed Jesus. He didn't look or sound the same. And resurrection changed the very first community of the church. Its form and focus weren't the same. And this congregation, as we gathered on Easter Sunday, for the first time in a renovated sanctuary space in Valley Forge, we've rested and worshiped in the midst of our own Easter resurrection. It's not a replication, duplication, or a restoration of what our church was in decades past. We're in the midst of a resurrection into a new life. It's still us. We're still Valley Forge Presbyterian Church. Many of the names and faces are still the same. But we're changed and changing. And that's not only okay. It's the way of God. And the resurrection that we're experiencing is good and it's beautiful. And it will save us from the death that we fear.
in just four years, so many of those hopes that we named while locked up together in our safe house with fear and anxiety have already been realized in God's work of resurrection. We have been sent by the guidance of the Spirit within us into places of greater sympathy, empathy, and inclusion. New efforts to share the spaces with which we've been entrusted for the sake of the hungry, the homeless, and the child. And new traditions of serving others beyond our walls. And we've also welcomed new members to the community, including five uh, young disciples, our confirmation students that we welcomed Easter Sunday, who have followed God's guidance in their own lives to become part of the resurrected community that we in Valley Forge are becoming, and not to become part of the church that used to be. We did not find a way to magically restore ourselves to the church of 20th century Christendom. We were faithful to God's guidance along the journey of resurrection, making hard decisions, difficult changes, risking becoming something new and different while still us, And like those first disciples, the key to our resurrection is our willingness to admit that we're ready. We're ready to love, we're ready to forgive, to serve, to pursue peace. We're ready to be sent out individually and together to do the work of Jesus and his kingdom intentionally seeking to love others unto places of restoration and peace. Resurrection isn't just something that happens in a moment, but can happen slowly and surely when we are willing to go along that journey. That can and will be true for us individually and collectively as God guides us from places of fear, anxiety, and hopelessness into new seasons of, of life, not often instantaneously, but slowly and surely through conversations, processes, decisions that change us so that our individual life in the future is not a restored copy of what it was but something different and new. How might you seek resurrection in your individual life into something that's different and new? How might you be compelled to change, to be reformed? And for our congregation and any congregation, any community of people, How might we continue to pursue resurrection together? He is risen. Our hope is risen. Our future is risen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everybody. Peace to all. Be well. Take care.